Welcome back. Welcome back. Let's go. Wow, we're back with another episode. Still fresh into the year. Um, have you been, James? Life's been pretty good. Um, we recently had our young adults camp at One Family Church. Yes, yak. we did. Yes, we did. Um, we did have yak. Does that deserve a round of applause? I believe it does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was such an abrupt <laughs> ending. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, it was a good time. What What did you find encouraging from? Uh, well, our theme was our theme was overcome, and I think the organisers really wanted to express the theme of we have our own cliques in church. You know how we have our own cliques at church, and mm. especially at ours, like there are guys who have grown up in the church with their friends for the past like eight, ten plus years, and some guys are new. So I think overcoming that and then getting to meet new people as well, I think that was a vibe. But also our personal overcoming as well. Mm. Um, Any struggles or any issues that we have personally, it was like a um, a good a good way to really address those issues and then really make a plan to overcome um, Mm. any issues we had. So that was good. Getting to meet new people. I met two guys. Oh. Um, they were the first years mm. and I had to drive them to the campsite. So I got to know them a bit on the way, on the way and on the way back because I had to drop them off. Mm. Uh, Daniel and Andrew. So if you're watching this, what's up boys, you better give me my Uber fee. <laughs> <laughs> Rate him <laughs> highly is what he's saying. Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a good time. Mm. What about, what about you? How did you enjoy Yak? Yeah, I also came surprisingly young adult, still refers to me as well. Let's go. <laughs> I was more of the older part of it, but no, but it was it was great. Um, like you said, it was a great way also for myself who haven't grown up with you guys necessarily, mm-hmm. uh, but kind of an outsider. And I do notice there is a culture where you guys stick within your age, age groups and, and age range just because, you know, that's the way um, your culture, church culture has um, helped with like fellowship and accountabilities to have that same age camaraderie happen. Mm, mm. But it was nice to have an intentional event where they mixed up the groups. And um, it was nice to get to know people uh, because in the natural, I wouldn't. So for example, through the camp, we were put into uh, groups where we kind of did challenges together, did small group kind of discussion after the talks together. So it was nice to meet um, brothers and sisters that I wouldn't yeah. talk in the natural. Yeah. But no, yeah, it was just nice getting to know them. I got to share my testimony to some of them, got to really get into it. And I found the theme of overcoming. We went through 1 John, wasn't it? 1 John chapter 2. 1 John, yeah. yeah. Overcoming, the, overcoming the world. Yes, not being um, part of the world. And not because I love it because the Bible is very clear. If those who abide in the world or are part of the world like do not abide in God. So Mm -hmm. I think it's pretty clear, um, like teaching right there. And I just found it great. That was a great point of uh, a great reminder for, for us um, as we look forward and eagerly await Jesus and spreading the gospel. And yeah, it's a great reminder. But other than that, the week has been good. I have a joke, James, actually, that I want to say. Let's go. Like I told you before, if you know the answer, don't answer it. (laughs) Just play along. The joke is, why, um, why, weren't, why wasn't Jesus allowed in any jewelry stores? Oh, <laughs> I, I, it's, I, I know what it is. Don't, don't say it. Just say why. 
Why? They were afraid he would break every chain. <laughs> Get it? Because I, I had a different answer. Oh, what was my, it? My answer was because he's sus. Because he's sus. He's sus. Oh, he's sus. Because like yeah. the J in like Spanish yeah. used to yeah. pronounce huh. Uh, so he's sus. Oh. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't depict our Lord and Savior as sus. <laughs> it was more, yeah. No, he broke, because, you know, he broke this, this bondage of sin, the shackles. I feel, like, I feel like my answer is better, though. Yeah, your answer is for more your generation. My answer is for my generation. And more biblically informed, might I add. But, <laughs> well, then that derailed my joke. Thanks anyway, James. Thanks for playing along. <laughs> no, it's all good. But, um, you know, as we do, uh, we, we're just uh, getting to see how each other is. But if you're tuning in now, you're listening to the King's Army podcast and we'll be right back. Hola, Jay. Mm. Who is our next guest? Our next guest is a man that I've actually only recently met and I'm still in the process of getting to know, but I'm excited to welcome our guest for this episode, who is Alex Lee. Let's go. Let's go. Give him a round of applause. Let's go. (laughs) Welcome to the King's Army Podcast Arena. Hello everyone, <laughs> greetings, g'day. <laughs> no, I have to say, I was, I did feel a little awkward, now I am really feeling <laughs> awkward. But yes, thank you for having me on the show guys, though, appreciate it, thank you. It's our pleasure. You look good on the screen, bruh. Yes, <laughs> brother. <laughs> we'll connect uh, what we talked, like we'll connect what um, IJ and I talked about, Yak. Um, what was your impressions on Yak, because you were there as well. Yeah. Any memorable moments or anything that hit you during the camp? Yeah. um, For me, I think, um, like you said, it was overcome. And I was really... um, Oh, yeah, sorry. Um, I was really interested in, I guess, talking um, and getting to know more people. I guess, like, um, after I left to my mission trip, and maybe I shouldn't have mentioned that, but um, after I came back, it's like, I think um, the the layout kind of changed a little bit, some mm-hmm. new faces and things like that. So I was kind of excited to meet new people and um, I got to do that. And um, yeah. So I, yeah, so just new relationships and things yeah. like that. I'm just, you know, it was, it was really good to do that, I think. Yeah. Can I just say also like your younger sister, Rachel was part of the planning committee. Yeah. And she planned like the games, the games. Yeah. yeah. She was stressed about it the whole time. Like, yeah, she, she, she always talked about it during like like oh, really? at home and things like that. Yeah, yeah. I was a part of the planning committee as well, and yeah, Rachel just really? put in. Yeah, yeah. Remember, I ran a game. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> can I, can sorry, I just sorry. can I just say like that first game that um, what's that cracking thing called again? Where we had to go out in the dark and find like these lightsabers. Oh, sticks? light sticks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. sticks. Mm. That was the most dangerous game I've ever played. <laughs> I, Why you, that? It was so dangerous because. 
I nearly hit, there was like so many metal poles that, you know, those metal poles mm-hmm. that protect the plant from growing, like from like getting yeah, yeah. hurt. Like I nearly ran into one of those and IJ was chasing yeah, me with those was, things and like I nearly twisted my ankle and like yeah, you yeah. can't see anything. So yeah, that was like a pretty like dangerous. Yeah, tripped over a lot. It, no, it was. We didn't really think about the, <laughs> the part of it. But we didn't really take into account that people would be full on hard out running, which I was like, oh, right, yeah. they would. But Nevertheless, I don't know if you no one re- got seriously hurt, yeah. so thank God. I don't know if you guys remember, I was actually the spy for my team. Uh-huh. And I remember during the, glo- like, I was like, okay, I'm supposed to collect the, goals, the, the, the glow sticks and put it in the bucket so that we could win a lot of points and things like that. But I was also the spy, which my personal mission was to, you know, get the team. Sabotage. Yeah. yeah. And so, my, so what I did was like, I know they kind of announced it that I kind of grabbed all of the like 20, 30 glow sticks and just hit it under a table. And I tried to do that really, really like in a subtle way, but um, it turned out successful. And I gave it to you, Daniel Troy, didn't I? <laughs> so they, thank you for oh, me. But my team really doesn't like me currently for that because... Yeah, sorry, but anyway. <laughs> what else did you find encouraging in terms of the topic and theme of the camp? Um, um, I think I felt that, I think the int- I could definitely um, notice the intention behind the, the um, topic of the um, camp. So overcome, I think a lot of the things were, was like overcome um, your fears of, conversing with other people, discussing things and things like that. For me, like my parents were wed in this church and my, and I was born and bred and raised in this church. But there's many, many faces that I know of, but I don't know um, their life in a sense. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't, I've never discussed anything with them. So mm-hmm. um, that, I, think, I think that was, that's kind of like the elephant in the room that a lot of people um, feels. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think, yeah, so I appreciate it that the church realized that. And they were, the, they were trying to break that barrier and mm. to continue to, like, I guess, um, build up the church in a communal sense. So mm. um, I appreciated that, I think. so, And I got to do that as well. So, mm, yeah. Mm, mm, mm. Mm, that's great. Well, it's time, to get more, it's, it's time to get to know more about you, Alex. And before we move on, I forgot to share our sponsor for today's video. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've been sponsored or contacted by a new company called Sodaly. Yeah, it's our remedy <laughs> for a good time. Zero percent sugar, so oh, okay. Promoting good health. Okay, I'll drink it then. Yes, yes sir. I wasn't going to drink it. Your calories. And for I your, opened yeah. it earlier. I was that curious. <laughs> FYI, like yeah, we actually not sponsored. We're just doing this for fun, to feel like we are official. Yeah, to feel channel. like a legit podcast. Oh yeah, but we're not. Um, one hundred oh. subscribers. Yeah. That's it. You're out. One hundred. You're our 100 subscriber special. Yes. Honored. Thank you. Honored. <laughs> you, you better be. Yes. It's <laughs> a big honor. No. <laughs> you know, it, yeah. I, wow. 100 subscribers. I didn't even realize. Like, yeah. Well, good. Uh, well, it seems to be working. I've been telling a lot of people at church about it. And sometimes I just grab their mm. phone. And I'm like, oh, I'll subscribe for you. you <laughs> <know>? <laughs> I'm that pushy. So maybe. Uh, can I ask a question? How long did that take? Like, when did you guys start this podcast? I know we signed this. Like, like April last year. Oh, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. April last oh, year. Oh, hasn't even been a year. Yeah, hasn't yeah. been a year. Wow. So thank you for watching, guys. Appreciate uh, it. And especially for our church family, thanks for tuning in and, and giving yourself an opportunity to get to know the church brothers. Okay. Well, without further ado, let's go into the icebreaker. Which is? As usual. Your sound. Crack, crack, crack. 
ice. Ice breaking ice. ice. Oh, oh, sorry. I pressed it again. <laughs> Question one, Alex. Yes. Who did you want to be when you were younger? An actor. Oh, oh okay. Um, a musical actor. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Musical actor. Yeah, so I was a huge fan of musicals. Um, oh. Not that I was great at singing, but I just loved um, movies. One of my favorite movies actually is um, Les Mis. I don't know if you guys know that. Mm. Les yeah, Mis. Isn't it called Les Miserables? Dude, like I've been debating with people how to pronounce it for the past 10 years and I don't, I, I don't know. I've never, Isn't it French? I haven't reached a conclusion. Yeah, it French. is French. So there's a French way. Of there's a French way of saying it. it. I have no idea what it is. Someone yeah. French, let me know. Um, yep. So yeah, so I love, that's like one of my favorite movies. Um, so I, mm. I really, that kind of inspired me to do that. And I was a movie fam- fanatic back, in, back then. So that was interesting. Yeah, definitely there. That I wanted to become as embarrassing as that is. Talking about musicals, um, what is your favorite song? That's this is the second question. Oh, your favorite song. Mm. Uh, one of the songs that I really enjoy to hear. Okay, well, um, if we go, if we if we talk in the secular world, in the secular sense, yeah. I like Elton John's Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. That probably doesn't ring a bell to any of you guys. But wow, um, even I don't know. Can you give yeah. us some? Can you give us a little taste? Give us a little. You sample. want me to sing it? Yeah. Yes, please. Do we get copyrighted for this? No. Okay. It's just him singing. <laughs> really? <laughs> okay. Um, goodbye, Yellow Brick Road. Na, 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 na. Oh, dude, I haven't I actually, I actually haven't listened to that song for a while. So it's it's goodbye, Yellow Brick Road, and something 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 like that. Okay. Anyway, sorry. No, that was great. That remember. was great. Round of applause. Yes. Thanks for being brave. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> So that, you said that was a secular, in a secular sense. What it is, about? In the secular world, yes, that would be my favorite, one of my favorite songs. And um, praise songs. I really like the song Breathe by Shane and Shane. Mm. Do you guys know that one? Breathe slash yearn. It's two songs kind of um, combined together. I will give it a listen. Yeah. Yes, give I it a listen. I will give it a listen. I've, Shane I've and Shane. Shane and Shane. I, I, I know the music. But I love Shane and Shane. Okay. Yeah, it's one of my favorite Breathe. songs. Yeah. Okay, question three. Favorite food? Oh, that's a big one. That's a big question. Um, yeah, probably, probably Korean barbecue. Probably Korean barbecue. Yeah, especially yeah. pork. I think you can't beat Korean barbecue. Can't beat Korean barbecue. Yeah, what a surprise! <laughs> Who would have known? <laughs> I'm not surprised. Yeah, tell us. Okay, question four. Tell us a time in your life. When you got into big trouble, big trouble. Oh, no, this is mm, big trouble. I can't imagine Alex being in trouble. To be honest, no, no. Yeah. One one example does come to mind, but I don't think I should share it on this podcast. I think people would view me differently. <laughs> it was just really bad. How um, old were you, at least? I was E four, E five. Oh, you were a child. Okay, should I share it? Oh, I feel like I shouldn't. It was it was about bullying. Um, yeah, and I got, you, yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I, we were about to play this. Um, uh, please don't view me like this, guys. He was a child, guys. I was a child. He it didn't know any four. better, and he was probably taught yes. better after. Right. I was captain of a soccer team, and mm. we were about to play soccer at lunch. And um, um, one of the um, kids with disability wanted to play, um, and I said, 
no in a very aggressive but I said that in front of a teacher and teacher was right there oh, and I just okay. uh, yeah I just like no and, and then the teacher like told you off after oh told me off yeah mm. sent me to the office blah 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 well that's you know you know that's a part of growing up and I think we yeah. need to highlight that it's like it's obviously it's the wrong thing but you know, this is how we learn. Mm. So just because we've made mistakes doesn't like we shouldn't be too afraid of mistakes because mistakes means that we grow and learn from it. And yeah. so it's OK. And you were a child, you know, and then after that, it was still learned. bad, though. It yes. was so bad. It was so bad. Let's not I, I do not. I do not. Yes. Like, you know, I'm not going to condone say it. Just, <laughs> yes. Just because I was a child. It was. Yeah. A good yeah. Thing, it's no. still it's still I was something a child. I was learn. immature, but yes. it was still bad. So it's, um, it's very I'm bad. sorry that guy that I um, said, yeah. said it that way. Wow, Alex. I didn't know you were that type of person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This guy is stirring the fight. Okay, Here we question go. five. What is your bi your biggest achievements? <clears throat> biggest achievement? Probably my swimming, competitive swimming, short competitive swimming career mm -hmm. that I had during primary school. Oh, really? How successful were you? So I went to nationals in E5 oh. and 6 and I came second. <laughs> Nationals E five and E six guys. So a long time ago, not anymore. Wasn't that last year? Because <laughs> you uh, guys are so young, though. Do you think you're the quickest swimmer in the church? I believe so. Oh, wait, oh. who won? We didn't. Didn't we have a race recently? Yeah, we did. Do we? I recorded it. Yeah, it's exactly. on my phone. Who no, won? I don't even remember. I who think. Won. I think um, <clears throat> that time before we raced, I thought Minsik. Brother Minsik was going to beat me mm. just because he's got the, the shoulder width and ath athletic body and things mm -hmm. like that. Um, I think I just won though. Like yeah, I think won. it was you. Yeah, it was you. Yeah. Minsik. And, and your brother. Daniel. Your brother was there as well. Yeah, Daniel yeah. made it in. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, I was surprised. I thought he was going to beat me, but yeah. We have a lot of swimmers in our church. We do. And very mm. like good swimmers as well. Mm. Yeah. Very athletic church. <laughs> we, yeah, we're, we're a sport Volleyball, swimming, basketball, mm. soccer. Anyway, sorry. Question six. Are you a morning person or a night person? Morning. Morning oh, person? Same. Yeah, my, my grade knows this. Morning. Every camp I slept 10 p.m., 11 p.m. I didn't care if they're doing overnight. No, I'm going to bed. <laughs> what time do you sleep at the Yak? At Yak? Young Adults Camp? Yak? I tried to stay up just for the... Because I thought it was, I thought I was being too selfish with my sleeping time. Right, <laughs> I was right, like, right. no, I should, I should kind of stay up and Fellowship. hang out with people and things like that. Mm. So maybe like twelve thirty, one. Oh, one thirty. I think it was one thirty. That's pretty late for me. For me, but yeah. On that note, tell us your morning routine. Morning routine: wake up, um, brush my teeth, um, read my Bible, mm. breakfast, and then. Yeah, that's about it, really. And then if I don't have anything, I'd go for a swim. If I do have something, then um, I'd do that. So. Nice. Yeah. Um, and our final question is basically, uh, what has been a Bible passage or Bible mm. verse that has that God has spoken through to you recently? Yeah, so the Bible passage that God has been speaking to me recently comes from... Um, sorry, let me just refresh on it. I think it's Romans... Yes, Romans chapter 7 verses 21 and i'll just read it out for us so i find it to be a law that when i want to do right evil lies close at hand and i thought that was really interesting because i really related to that i feel like there's always this <clears throat> battle between good and evil in human nature like one simple example i, I give you guys is during high school excuse me um during high school i remember um again I'm going to pull off like a really bad image, but it's fine. Um, 
I swore a lot in high school. Mm-hmm. I had a really foul math, foul mouth, and I should really repent of that. <laughs> but um, because I had a foul mouth, foul mouth, and so did my mate. Um, I think we kind of realized that we were getting to the point where, like, our like every word that we utter is just disgusting. And so let's fix that. Mm. So there would be seasons where my friend would approach me and it would, and it would be like, okay, Alex, um, every time we swear, we'll point it out and tell him, like, tell the other person not to swear, right? Mm. Um, and so, but for some reason, every time, like, he would be the one to first approach me and say, and, and you know, conduct this, um, like, moral act, I guess. Mm. And he'll be, I, I, would, I would always have this um, thing. It's like, why is he... The, why is he the one approaching me mm-hmm. and telling me and trying to correct me and trying to, you know, let's do it together. I, and then and then I feel like inside of me, I just didn't like that. And then I don't know, you know, as Australians, as, in, as Australians, we've got this poppy syndrome. We don't want someone like going above us. Yeah. And for yeah. me, just morally, that was one of the things that kind of got, me, got to me. Mm. And so I didn't want him morally correcting me mm. or teaching me ethics. So mm. you don't tell me to swear. So in a, in a sense, I felt like I wanted to swear even more. Uh-huh. But the same thing happened, I felt like, with the, with the same friend when I approached him and mm. I said the same thing. So, mm-hmm. um, for example, let's just say the, yeah, yeah, he's, okay, IJ, let's, let's not swear anymore and blah, mm-hmm. blah, 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 and same thing. And, but you, but you, I felt like you would feel like, um, yeah, do you know what? Why, why are you saying that to me, Alex? Mm-hmm. That's how your mind would process. Mm-hmm. And I felt mm-hmm. like, no. So, th- what this verse basically um, taught me, I feel like, is every time we want to do something good or um, abide by the, I guess, like sanctifying power of our God. Mm. Um, um, evil just lies closer, closer, closer to us, I think. And so there's always this battle between good and evil in our nature, mm. I feel like, that I kind of mm. felt. But this is a verse that I, like, I don't know, I just it's, it stood out to me. I didn't really mm. notice it, but yeah. that was it's something always, that it reminded me. Yeah, it's like that process of putting the flesh to death, I guess, mm. when when you feel, you know, your fleshly side. Yeah. Um, drawing you closer to uh, drawing towards sin yeah and and obviously the holy spirit working in us yeah. changing us and putting on the new flesh mm. and and that whole eternal battle how mm. that looks. Yeah, yeah the whole point of romans 7 was really interesting because paul kind of says how he fe- he wants he has the desire to do what is good mm. but his body will not mm. is not able to do mm. that he doesn't mm. have the physical ability to carry that out he keeps doing the things that he doesn't that want the to spirit do. is willing but the flesh is yeah weak. exactly mm. so that's the whole point of romans 7 and it was just like it's so relatable you know what i mean mm. so relatable i think for a lot of christians like we have the now finally after we're born again it's like i have the moral desire to do what is good and be more like my jesus but mm. um i do not have the ability to carry that out so mm. i think in a sense that's why we rely more on the sanctifying grace mm. of god sanctifying sure. grace of god for yeah. sure Thank you for sharing. Um, I'll share mine first, RJ. Mm-hmm. Yesterday at Graceland, we had a Graceland Life Group thing. Um, it's basically where all the teachers, not all, like half of the teachers, we split in two. And then we kind of share how we're going in life um, with our Graceland teachers. And yesterday, we talked about this book. It's called The Law of the Teacher, I think. Actually, no. Oh, it's called Teaching to Change Lives by Dr. Howard Hendricks. Um, and yesterday we read a chapter about the law of the teacher. And there's a, pa- there's a part that I like. And I read it out for us. I must keep growing and changing. The word of God, of course, does not change. But my understanding of it does change because I am a developing individual. This is why Peter could tell us at the end of his second epistle, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Um, such a philosophy requires a certain attitude 
the attitude that you have not yet arrived. A person who applies this principle of teaching is always asking, how can I improve? I think um, as a teacher at Graceland, I think it is a ministry at the, end of the, at the end of the day. And with any other ministries, I feel like our heart posture is very important and why we serve as well. And um, there, was a, there was a question that we, had, we discussed together and it was, the author states, you cannot impart what you do not possess. What are you currently doing to grow spiritually, intellectually, or socially? And I think I was reminded how teaching or like serving should always be out of the overflow of our mm. out of the overflow of our hearts. Yeah. Um, not because we want to just by habit or by ritual mm. or because we know it's the right thing to do, but rather because uh, we are we want to because it overflows. Um, our love that we receive from the Lord, we want to also, because that overflows in us, we want to share that to others. And likewise with teaching, because we receive understanding that we so much, we so value, we mm. want to share it to others. Yeah. And I think that's uh, a takeaway that I mm. received yesterday. Mm. No, that's really encouraging, dude. That's awesome. Thanks for that. What about you, IJ? Yeah, um, I guess uh, this uh, time around when I was asked to share and think about a verse, I think... I'm in Romans as well. Ro uh, Ooh, my so one's much. in Romans as well, which mm -hmm. is uh, yeah, Romans chapter 5, verses 3 to 4, where it says, uh, Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. Yeah, 3 to 4. Yeah. And so, no, I just found that really encouraging because I like how this passage makes sense of our suffering, that it's not something meaningless, that it's not just sin and this brokenness of this world, but there is also a purpose in that it reminds us of our hope. And also in the process of reminding us of our hope, it builds character, endurance, mm. and perseverance. And so um, we can rejoice in those things. Mm. And I think that's always great to hear because you know we live in a society where we're so full of comfort and it's easy for us to like be like oh have first world problems and complain but yeah i just felt like it's always a good humbling reminder that you know when we complain and and grumble you know there's a reason to it and that's bringing us back to god so we don't put our hope in this world but rather in our heavenly father amen mm. amen well alex you have completed the icebreaker the ice is officially broken thank god <laughs> ptl praise the lord praise the lord <laughs> now our next part um ij mm. how yeah. do we how do we know each other how do we know each other we, I think, through this thing called OFC, One Family Church. Church, let's yes, go. <laughs> that's the one. That's how we know to be Factory Street. Anyway, we know you because of said church, One Family Church. We all go to the same church. The yes. whole reason why we have this podcast is that's to weird. get to know our church brothers. So I guess the first question is just like, yeah, how did you, how's your, like, how did you come along to church or did you grow up here? Like, what's your history with One Family Church? Yeah, um, my grandparents first came to this church back Whoa. when we were at Belfield. Mm. Um, my parents were married at this church. Mm. My auntie, uncle, um, 
my bro- my my father's older sister and older brother they all go to this church well not the older sister anymore um so yeah my cousins go to this church um yeah born bred raised everything um it's yeah i've been this is the first and first church that i've ever been to i've never like moved out of the church so um mm. yeah it's it's yeah, so for me to have a rich lineage, <laughs> rich heritage. In I this hope church. I leave my mark. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I hope I leave my mark. Mm. Oh, okay. Alex, um, Alex is what you call a legacy member. Yes, a legacy, a legacy member. member. You've been here longer than longer your than family. Yeah, 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 of yeah. course. Wow, oh, interesting, yeah. interesting. So you've been here for many years, mm-hmm. um, and I guess yeah. I'm I'm curious to know since you've been here for many years, what was your first impression of brother james over here let me look at him as i say this <laughs> um i think it was um high school camp could have been year 11 oh. year 12 you remember this i think i do see what i have is a picture of james in my mind but okay. i just don't know how to articulate that but my picture of james is um pink hoodie white flat cap that can walk backwards <laughs> oh. shorts High high socks and maybe a Nike Air Force, things something like that, oh, and just whoa. super into LeBron James. <laughs> That's what I remember. Every oh. time I picked a basketball, I just say, "Oop, LeBron James." <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing I really remember. Oh. But I think um, a pink hoodie. I yeah. Do you remember that pink hoodie? What was I thinking? I don't know. Um, but I didn't even know that he was the son of like um, the OFC's pastor at that time. Mm. Pastor Anton. I had no idea. Mm-mm. Yeah, um, I had no idea, but so um, um, like I didn't even look at him as like a pastor kid. Like I just thought that this guy was pretty smooth, pretty swag. Oh, swagged out. I think swag and smooth would really oh, diff- like. He's happy with that. He's happy with that. <laughs> You've lost your touch now. You've kind of look more like formal. You've been formalized. That, he, he looks like his dad, really. Yeah, he looks like you're coming. You're becoming immature, maybe. <laughs> you had your swag um, uh, season in uh, in high school, I think. Now it's gone. It's yeah, gone. yeah. He's growing up. He's growing up. <laughs> growing up indeed. Yeah. Well, so that that was my first impression. He was pretty swag. He was pretty smooth. And I think, um, yeah, I just, I just, I don't know, like what I was thinking as well. You were 11, you 12. I, just, I think I just liked being around him because I, I feel like we spent uh, like some time together during that camp. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. Eh? I think yeah. so, yeah. And so that's when I, um, I guess like started to... Um, I wouldn't say no James, but I'd say just really like the guy, like a, like a fan of the guy. No. <laughs> I'd say, yeah. Yeah, that was, I think that was my first impression. Mm. Really. James, James, I got to hear yours. What was yours? Oh, gosh. Oh, here we go. Here Actually, we go. like, um, I'm, I'm happy that Alex went first because my first oh, impression was after that. Was after that. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't even remember you. Is that what he said? Well, I, that's uh, all, but fair enough. I had a picture right. and I couldn't right. articulate it. So. But now that, you, now that you brought that camp up, I was in year 12 and you were in year 10. Oh, yeah. Okay, there we go. Um, that was my first and final high school camp. Um, yeah, I still remember wearing that pink hoodie, but I remember you as that guy who had that mohawk ha- haircut. You didn't, you didn't have the um, curtains that you have right now. You yeah, had that yeah. Mohawk. <laughs> was it a mohawk? Like short sides. It was definitely like one of those Lebanese haircuts, though. I remember. And um, like you were, I remember you being that that um, very curious guy who spoke a lot. Really? Maybe you asked a lot of questions to me, but like, you're like, you were very talkative. You're very talkative. And I think you're, you're, you're pretty talkative now. <laughs> He's yeah. still um, But like what I was going to say earlier was my more imprinted image of you comes when we went to Inland together. 
Oh yeah, that's right, dude. I forgot about we that. We went to Inland together, and you were that guy who had a nosebleed every single where, <laughs> every single place we went. You were just having nosebleeds everywhere. Oh really? And like you just, I just remember you having like I, tissues up your nose. Like no, I remember a couple of nosebleeds. I do remember that. Yeah. And also like, yeah, that's right. when we go on in these on on these inland trips, would we'll like turn on music that we like. So we would always like um, suggest the music that we want to be played on the radio, like, <laughs> on the um on mm-hmm. the speaker, and then. Everyone would just say like, yeah, put on BTS. Oh, put on Justin Justin Bieber. And then this guy's all of a sudden, put on um, Elton John. (laughs) Put on Led Zeppelin. Or like all these random like bands. Old school. Yeah, I'm a bit of an old soul here. So yeah, I like old school music. I remember remember Alex saying like, because I asked him like, dude, why do you like all these old songs? Like, you're so so interesting. And he's like, oh, my dad used to listen to a lot Mm. of these songs. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so like Queen was one of the first bands I knew like before I turned 10. Wow. Yeah, like that's like, that's the song that I really like, that's like sticks to my brain. Like Rachel and I know that a lot. It's like nostalgic for you guys. Yeah, I mean, we just know that song. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, but thanks to dad. That was my first impression of Alex, just a curious Uh, fella. That's interesting. You guys had two Mm. totally different instances that stuck out to you guys, but you both remember it. That's good. And I, I guess I'll go with my impression of Alex. I think um, I did hear about you because um, I got to know your sister, Rachel, especially post-church and going to Lazy Cat and dinners and stuff. A group of us always go and she'd be there. But yeah. yeah, I got to know your sister and she mentioned you here and there. Mm-hmm. Like she had a brother and a missionary brother in Lebanon. I don't, for some reason, I thought you'd be older because mm-hmm. like, I just feel like people who go on mission are like, at least in my old church, they're all in their mid-20s right. and ready to go out and stuff i didn't expect you to be so young yeah. and so but then when i when you came back and i first saw you and i think it was when you went on stage to share um kind of your testimony and yep. how mission was went for you in that year mm-hmm. when you were on mission and um yeah i just remember feeling really like oh he's young and like really impressed about like wow he's so articulate and mm. so well thought out and and so intentional and, and and i was just excited to be like oh that's so cool to see a young man such as yourself to be so passionate about the gospel because it's a rare thing like you know i've i've, I've spent my like a fair share my fair share with with young adults or, or guys in your life stage and you know their their mind and heart is somewhere else sometimes even though they're christian they're like yep. yeah and so it's just refreshing to see someone that's passionate, articulate, and and just yeah, so mature. Mm. So yeah, that was just my first impression. I was like, oh, cool. And then yeah, now we're in the same small group, yeah. and I keep telling he's my leader, he's my small well, group leader. Well, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I keep telling him like I'm excited for this year. Yeah. You're gonna talk. I'm gonna make you talk. Me too. I want to so challenge I. you. <laughs> I'm gonna make you answer uncomfortable. We're gonna keep debating questions, weekly debates. Yes, yeah. sir. No, yeah, it's gonna be a good conversation. Yeah, yeah. What do you think of um, IJ? Yeah, so my first impression of IJ is was was actually when I was in Lebanon. So my sister oh, said yeah. to me, Alex, our um, church um, boys, they started the King's Army. They started um, um, the podcast, mm. a podcast. And she knew that I was like interested in podcasts. Um, like I kind of talked about it before. Mm-hmm. Like I was interested in starting a podcast. But um, and so she sent me a video and then I see James Joe. And I see a guy that I've never seen before. So I was like, wait, what is this going to do? Is he <laughs> church and blah, 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 blah. So my first impression was, you know, just because his size, probably ex-gangster. 
<laughs> no, that's a joke. Uh, but like he obviously, you know, just you know, probably because of the size, mm-hmm. I'd say there was like a there was there was some sort of force there. I think I felt even through the screen. I was oh. in a different country. <laughs> he felt it through yeah, yeah. screen and country. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, uh, but I, I think just like I didn't listen to the whole podcast. I remember just watching like five minutes of it, and I, I think I heard you speak and things like that. And um, I was, I f- yeah, I think I found you quite interesting. I think I was like, okay, there's, um, my first impression was like, uh, I want to know this guy a bit more. So there was mm. a, there was a layer of depth, I think, mm-hmm. to his mm-hmm. character that I would like to like um, discover more. Um, but I th- yeah, I think, um, yeah, like, um, so strength, <laughs> intimidation, though, those were like, that's, that's, that's like, fifth, that's like one side of the coin and the other side was like, oh, there's. There's there's a there's a layer of depth to the character that I would like to, um, you know, discover more and more. And so, well, I guess God heard my prayers. I mean, you are yeah. my leader this year, so yeah. we'll and get to know you more and more. I'm gonna see you every week. Yeah, there you go. In fact, this is like my third time seeing you this week. Yeah, literally, <laughs> so just like a couple <laughs> times this week already. It's like Alex, uh, Alex. <laughs> oh, that's right. It's gonna be a long year. <laughs> it's gonna it's be a long be life. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be a good life. Yeah, yeah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, indeed. But yeah, speaking of church and um, and what I mentioned just now is that um, you went on mission. Yes, I did. Um, that is really encouraging for someone. How old are you again? 21. 21, guys. He's 21. I don't yeah. hear much 21-year-olds desiring to go out and spread the gospel in other countries. But that's so good to see that mm-hmm. God has worked in your heart in that way. Yeah. But would you care to share a bit more? about that experience yeah i mean so um i attended a prayer conference in the 2021 i think it was um i don't know that was it 2020 yes early 2021 i think mm. it was january february it's a prayer conference there and one of my best friends from high high school mates he's um he's a pastor's kid and so his dad was preaching at one of the conferences there and he said um, a sentence that was that just struck me. And he said, Jesus can become your everything or your nothing. Now, mm. that may at first sound cliche to many of us Christians there. But I think it did more than that to me. I think what it did was it showed that you cannot like cherry pick, uh, cherry pick the gospel. Mm. Um, you cannot take out a little... You cannot reap the benefits of Jesus, but take no responsibility over the life of a Christian. Do you know yes. What I mean? So Yes, preach um, it. I think that's kind of what what stood out to me. And around that season was when I first really, really understood what the gospel was. Mm. And that's something that surprises me still to this day because I guess like I was growing, growing up in the church, but I had no idea what the gospel was. Like if mm. someone said to me, Alex, would you, you care to define for me what the gospel is? I, I would not know how to answer that, I think. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It may be so simple, but I think it's something that I had no idea of. So um, that happened. So there was a conviction there. And then after the prayer conference, I kind of felt that God wanted me. Um, I felt that God's kind of spoke to me saying, um, Alex, go to the lowest of the lows. Now, I don't know what that meant because mm-hmm. I was like, you know, I was, I was, I was in the midst of uni. Um, it was, it was a time of COVID as well. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know what, uh, what that meant. My thing was, okay, this is a pretty big conviction. Like I'm feeling something here. Um, and I feel like scripture talks, it. I, I read a lot of the Gospel of Luke, mm. and um, um, I think one of the 
uh, I think the subtitle was The Cost of Following Jesus. I think something like that. And mm. then it said something like, Foxes have holes, the birds have, of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Yeah. And then I was looking at that. I was like, wow, okay. So that is like a, um, a, a rough portray, portrayal of the, of, the, of the life of a Christian. So mm. um, when I heard that, I just knew that I had to do something. Mm. Um, so my first thing was um, go to Bible college. <laughs> Um, yeah, um, for a year at least and I, well, that was my first thing my first thing was devote this year to God and let's see where he um, leads me to and things like that where he guides me so that was my first thing and then I caught up with a few people that pastor who <clears throat> um, was preaching on the conference I caught up with him I caught up with um, another um, old mentor of mine um, who um, I went to, um, in 2019, right after I graduated high school, I went to a short-term two-week mission trip to Lebanon. And um, mm -hmm. and he was there and he was someone I respected. And he was in the midst of going, uh, of planning to um, like um, serve in the mission field. And th that was in the making of three years, like him and his wife. <clears throat> they have no kids and young married couple and things like that. So I caught up with him. He's someone I respected a lot in terms of like mission and things like that. Um, and I said, and this, I told him, this is how I feel. And this is the conviction that God gave me. And this is my plan. What do you think of it? Blah, 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 blah. Mm. Then what he said to me was, um, he offered me an invitation to go to Lebanon with him basically, but not only that, he went and took it a step further. He said, I want to disciple you. I want to teach you. Wow. We're going to sleep in the same house. We're going to eat together and live together, do the life of what, um, the life of discipleship, basically of what Jesus had with his um, disciples and things like that. So it was a strong invitation and I didn't know how to respond to that at first. You know, like, mm, yeah, it's not every day someone just comes up to you and you're like, you know what, I'm going to disciple you. Yeah. You know, in Sydney, I think we kind of feel like, who do you think you are to disciple yeah, yeah, me? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it's like, it's, it's almost this like humility thing. I think it's like, you know, mm. we, we kind of like, it rubs us the wrong way, mm. but it didn't sound off to me, I think. Mm. And after that, I told him, you know, I'll just take two weeks off, something like that. I'll just pray. I'm about it. And I think God really confirmed it because he was going to Lebanon. I knew that we were going there to serve the lowest of the lows. And what I mean by lowest of the lows is not those who are just physically poor, but spiritually poor as mm. well, I think. So um, that was a big conviction that I had. And I knew at that point it was just God literally opening the doors for me. I only had to walk, I think, through it. So mm. um, that's what happened. We went to Lebanon. And just to give you guys like a, a, like a two-minute... Yeah. Um, um, just a, r a quick explanation of what we did. Yeah. So the first six months, um, the, the the married couple and I, we went there. Um, and for six months, what we did was we kind of just like, you know, um, did network, um, just, um, you know, building relationships, learning Arabic, adapting to the culture, things like that, helping out with churches. Um, after the six months, we had two sisters, one from our church, Jin Choi. Um, she also joined us and we had another sister um, um, join us like six months later. After that, we did more evangelizing. We did more discipleship. We did street pre street evangelizing and things like that. Um, we taught many of the um, Syrian refugees there, like um, the Bible, um, uh, what it means to, um, um, I guess, yeah, like wh who Christ is basically and preaching the gospel and things like that. Mm, um, wow. Mm. Yeah, and so we we also like rented out um, a center there and we taught because many of the Syrian refugees there are illiterate and they mm. never received formal education. So we taught them maths, English, Arabic, music, um, 
biblical studies, things like that. Mm. Um, and yeah, but um, like majority of the time, what we were focusing on was like disciple making. Our mm. goal was to make Arab disciples so that they can take the gospel to the ends of the earth, not mm. just people from the West or like, you know, just currently going, but we wanted to further that. And um, yeah, so that was kind of like, you know, a rough sketch of what we did basically. Um, was this the first time you lived apart from your parents? Yeah, for this long, yeah, year and a half, yeah. This long? Yeah. Because, like, of course, like, you lived apart from your parents going to camps and stuff, but those, like, own, like maximum, like, one week. Yeah. Um, um, what was it like living alone apart from your parents? What did um, it feel like? I knew what the life of James Joe felt like. That <laughs> 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 no, was joking. Yeah. Um, yeah, so living apart from my parents was... Um, weird in the fact that um, there was no familiar setting that I could retreat back to if I wanted to. You know what I mean? Mm. Like in Sydney here, I feel like it, um, a, a, a tendency that we all have is if we don't like someone, if we don't like the situation, we can always run back mm. and retreat back to our homes. Mm. Um, in Lebanon, I did not have that option. That option was just eliminated. Mm. Even though yeah, that young married couple, I did not know them well. Mm. I did not have a it's not a bad relationship, but I didn't have like an in-depth relationship. Right. They go yeah, to a different yeah. church. I've only yeah. known them up right after I graduated high school. So we never really caught up even after we came from the, came back from the two week um, mission trip mm. in 2019. So I didn't really know them that well. So that was like, um, that's, that's one thing that I quickly um, observed that I just have nowhere to turn back mm. to except the, this, the, this young married couple which mm. I know that I have to dedicate my time in, um, um, you know, spending, you know, becoming a community, a body of Christ with them. Mm. But I was quite reluctant to do that because they're not my family in a sense. Right, Why right, would I do right. that with people that are unfamiliar with me? You know, so right, right, right. that's something that I, I, I quickly realized. Yeah. I, I also learned like during my time in Turkey, like it was for three months. So There's nothing compared to like how long you live there alone. Yeah. Um, but like I realized living, what living alone apart from your parents really does is you get to really know who you, who you are. Mm. Um, you learn a lot about yourself, yep. whether like um, you, you find what you like mm. and you find what's like the process of like how you like to have breakfast or like, like all those random things that usually- Even the small things. Yeah, small well. things like you find how much you can handle or yep. um, those, those things. And what yeah, I wanted sure. to ask was, uh, what did you learn about yourself whilst in Lebanon? I learned that I was a very weak person without God, I think. Um, mm. And I really mean that from the bottom of my heart because um, like, I think that's one thing, that's, that's one reason why I think I didn't fully grasp a full in-depth understanding of the gospel because I feel like for me when I came in terms with the gospel it was um, it was beautiful at first but when I really lived out that life after I understood the gospel I realized that um, I was like how God calls um, Jacob in Isaiah in 40 I think Isaiah 41 it's like you worm Jacob mm -hmm. <laughs> you, it's just small insignificant weakling puny like Mm. that's what I felt, I think. Um, and so there were many issues with my heart, I think, kind of like what James pointed out, there was many things that I didn't really realize. For example, um, like pride was one of them. Mm. Um, I, I always despised people who were very proud. 
and prideful. I did not fathom that I would be one of them. Mm. <laughs> um, so like things like that, do you know what I mean? Like mm. that's, that's one thing that was um, huge. And I, more than my strength, I think, because I, I feel like what, what, this is what I kind of presumed when I come back from mission that I would in a sense be glorified in a sense I would come mm. back like, almost like a war hero do you know what I mean like right, I just came back from right, this right. battle yeah, and yeah, yeah. I, I didn't okay I wasn't seeking out the praise but I presume that's how like I would not 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 how the church yeah. would look at me but yeah. how I would view myself man like what you said 21 years old young oh really uh, I, I look look at me I'm just on fire for Lord and for the Lord and things like that mm. but um I came back the complete opposite I came back I feel like more broken than ever I came back I think um if I don't really like wrestle it out with God and rely mm. on his strength, then like I'm done mm. for basically, I think. Mm. So mm. it's the first time in my life where I had to really depend on someone mm. for like the things that I wanted to do by myself, like strength, hope, peace, right, freedom, right. whatever it is, like the things that I thought that I could work out myself. Once mm. I realized the gospel and really came term in terms with Christ, mm -hmm, it, mm -hmm. it was nothing that I, th I thought of, yeah. That's pretty true. It, yeah. yeah. It sounded like um God mm. really stripped everything away for you to draw closer to him. Mm. I so, yeah. So I guess in in regard to that idea like how do you feel that experience of mission stirred your affections toward God? Cuz it sounded like it humbled you, it did all these things to make you realize um your own weaknesses and highlight your reliance on God. But how was your relational aspect to God? How were you relating to God? And how did you see God's hand move mm. in, in that, that season? It's funny because a lot of people asked me that question, that same question when I came back. And what I said, I said it in Korean. I'll say it in Korean. I said, um, And what that means is like, I felt like I had a warm, fuzzy date with God. Oh. Is what I said, mm. right? I just went on just warm. You know when you go the first time when you go out with your girlfriend, it's just like that warm, fuzzy. Yeah. I love this, man. It's just really nice. Yeah. You know, that's that's the emotion. That's how I said it though. Right, right, right. But um, looking back at it, uh. I don't think I'd ever say that again though. <laughs> and the yeah, only right. reason why, the only reason why I would not say that mm. is because... Um, um, so I was like going through the Bible and mm. I think in, it was in Genesis 32 when Jacob was alone, he wrestled with God. Mm. And I find that really, really interesting because the fact that like a human being would wrestle with God is just, mm. I don't know. That's something that didn't, like, that didn't cross my mind, mm -hmm. but he wrestled out with God and then he received the name Israel, which meant the, the one who wrestles with God. So mm. the chosen people was called um, the chosen people are the ones who wrestle with God, not mm. the ones who's on a fuzzy date with God. So right. <laughs> I, I thought like when, when you come with God, he's so beautiful, man, he's so majestic. And I mm. just like feel that I'll be comforted by him. It was not that at all. Mm. Um, it was more like a me having to wrestle out, wrestle it out with God. Like I'll give mm. you an example. There was mm -hmm. one time that I was, I felt really, um, again, because of that option that was eliminated that I, was not able to retreat back to my parents for comfort and encouragement, things like that. Um, I had to turn to scripture because I didn't want, I didn't really want to turn to the young married couple because I didn't really know them well. Mm. There was no one else to go to because one, they were from a different culture. I couldn't speak with them and I couldn't speak with anyone. So what I just did was turn to the Bible mm. Mm -hmm. and I was saying, God, I really need some encouragement right now. Like mm. I need, like, it's hard. It's really hard. I probably, I want to pack my bags and go back. You know what mm. I mean? Like uh, it's hard just being here, mm. feel, feel lonely. Um, 
And so I need some encouragement. Look, I'm 21. You know, I'm doing stuff that other 21 year olds aren't doing. Come on, mm. like I need that affirmation, right? Mm. And, and then I turn to like I think it was 1 Peter 2:24, where it says, "He himself bore our sins." And then w- that really, really struck me. Why? Mm. Because when it says the word "himself," mm. that immediately like what God was saying to me there was, "Okay, you're struggling, Alex, but." R- are you really going to compare your struggles with mm. Jesus' struggles? Wow. Mm. So, see, my initial thought was, I want my God to encourage me. I wanted him to, like, pat me on the back. Like, you know, we pat dogs, right? Just, like, mm. just pat him. You know? It's like, oh, you're doing so well. Yes, yes, yeah, good doggy. Mm-hmm. Um, you're like, you're a beautiful son. I know you're doing things. That's what I assumed that I would get. So I went mm-hmm. to the Bible to get some comfort. Rather, he turned, um, he, he pointed me towards the cross again. And it was mm. like, look at what Jesus did. Now, are you making this about yourself? It's mm. self-centered, even your pains, right? You're, you're, I invited you to this journey. I invited mm. you to this, the relationship that I have with the Holy Spirit and Jesus and things like that. Mm. And so you're going to come here. You're going to really complain. I mean, really? I mean, Jesus, I mean, if I, I'm complaining because it was a different culture, different language, different people and things like that. But how would Jesus have felt 2,000 years ago when he came here? Because mm. it was a world that he created yet they did not receive him. Yeah. No, like he, he was surrounded by sinners, like a holy God was surrounded by sinners. I feel like that would be infinitely more unfamiliar than what I'm going through. Like I'm, mm. I, I feel like it's unfamiliar because of their, from a different language. Mm. He, it's, it's a different, it's, it's so unfamiliar for Jesus because um, they're different, because he's hundred percent God, exactly. He's hundred <laughs> like, percent God. Is, like he has every right to be above. Yeah, and, because they're un- mm. It's a right. It's a. It's a difference between righteousness, not mm. a difference between like ethnicity in a sense. Like, yeah, that's yeah, a, that's, yeah. That's what we like to create his, the division. Yeah, yeah. His division is is a holy, it's a holy upright, exactly. and it's just light years away from us, light lowly, low, exactly. sinful people. Yeah, you know? and so that was a really big like that 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 struck me really big because mm. I did not realize that God would do that to me. Like I thought he would pat me on the back again, like, right, right, and like right. yeah, my son, I love you so much, so beautiful, you're doing well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like, no, you really gonna complain right now? Look wow. what my son did. Wow, you so got rebuked by I the got Lord God when I was this looking for encouragement. So yeah, yeah, that yeah. was like, wow, I did not expect my God to do that, but no, but it, it, <laughs> it helped me. It mm. it made me grow. It really did. It, did it make mm, you mm. because you got humbled mm. by this the story of Jesus? You got yeah. humbled, um, and and. You know, your suffering, yeah, definitely is not comparable to what Christ endured Mm. and the sheer rejection Mm. that he experienced and shame that he took on. Mm. And so, yeah, in light of that, you were able to to kind of be like, hey, well, did that then help you feel like all my circumstances aren't as bad or did it just help you like reconfigure the way you perceive things at that point? I don't think it helped me in terms of like it made like me feel better mm-hmm. and like it made it changed my circumstances rather i think my priorities were like different and my priorities were more set so mm. rather than complaining about my rather than whining about my little struggles mm. excuse me so i felt like it was more important um to make the cross like um you know really f- make it make that a firm foundation in my mm. heart and exalt mm-hmm. that to the Arab nation and things like that. Right. So I thought that I think my priorities changed more than my circumstances. Mm. I didn't it, feel better after that. I felt worse, as a matter of fact. Mm. You know, really, like I just came for encouragement. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna rebuke me here. You're gonna prove me right now. Mm-hmm. It's just not what I expect my God to do. But um, that's 
there that, that was that was i think that was a turning point it's like what you said dude, your verse it's like you know su- suffering produces um perseverance, in, perseverance. perseverance. perseverance produces character, character things like that and, and so then it per- and it draws you back to the hope and mm. which it did because it went exactly. back to the cross mm. exactly right. so he, i always that that's that's something amazing that what god does he always brings us back mm. to the cross it's mm. not it's not you you don't grad you don't graduate from the gospel you don't graduate from the cross you don't keep going forward anywhere mm. you're always going back to it you need right, to stay right. where that mm. is I think. but it gave that's you a direction to go to right like you gave, knew yeah it, it, uh, yeah yeah because you you had like kind of that hopeless pit yeah. mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. you got a direction because God pointed you back to yeah. the cross. It's kind of like, you know, you, you're supposed to carry your cross because that's what yep. Jesus tells us to do. But sometimes mm. it's like, it's too heavy. Let me just yeah. walk by myself. Mm. It's like, no, go, go back and pick that up. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Kind of thing. So like, and you keep yeah. walking with that's that. A very, that's a very good illustration. Yeah. 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 And I came to realize like something that I've learned, um, the reason why people get restless or feel sorry for themselves and get into those pity parties is because they lack direction mm. and hope and 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 sometimes we expect god when he comforts us just to either take that discomfort away or fill us with joy but in reality what we need is direction mm. and when we have that direction even though we don't feel great we still we ha- we get peace out of it mm. and peace isn't this over the top joy or nor is it like a deep sadness it's mm. just like a sense of stability and moving towards something exactly. kind of thing and that yeah. that's that peace and that sound like that's the peace he gave you mm. And you cried out to God and he gave you a peace that transcends all understanding because it yeah. wasn't exactly what you needed. But then, you know, you have a direction, but yeah. then you still feel the same way you did, but mm. you're able to cope better. Yeah, like exactly. Mm. I think I think that's a tendency I always have. Like I want to, I want Jesus, I want the gospel, but sometimes it's just not enough. So I want to keep adding things or mm. I want to take away things. It's that or that. It's never mm. like, you know, that's just perfect. But I think that's what he keeps trying to remind mm. us like this is enough and i yes. want you to believe that mm-hmm. you know yes I mean? so, mm-hmm. yeah now that you've come back to australia after your time in lebanon how, how long you how long were you in lebanon for uh a bit of a year and a half bit of a, a bit over a year and a half yeah when you came back did you feel that they call it the post missions depression mm. yeah um how did that impact you is that what missionaries call it that's what they what's the okay yeah. i think I think psychologists call it like the the reverse culture shock or something like that. Uh. Yeah, yeah, something like that. That's why I was preparing myself because uh. my mate, I think I said this to you before, my mate left mm. for the Philippines for a year and a half and he came back to Australia. He was like, where am I? You know what I mean? Mm. He just, he really felt that. So I was kind of preparing myself for that. Um, but unexpectedly, it was a pretty smooth transition. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So it was, it was okay for me, I think. Yeah, it was not as like you know, huge yeah. of a shock that, as I expected. Yeah. Um, do you ever, have you ever had that feeling like, because when I came back, like in all honesty, like, because I went to Turkey for three months yeah. and then after that, in that same year, I went to Central America for, th- for three months. Um, and when I came back, all my friends had already started uni mm. um, and they've already finished like a year, a year's worth of uni. Mm. Do you, have you, did you feel like you're a bit behind or, um, oh, I have to catch up now. Yeah, Do you still yeah. have that feeling or you know, it doesn't really bother you? A thousand percent. Like you really hit the spot. I think um, that's like, it's, I was sharing that with my small group actually. You remember that? Lena? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was sharing that with my small group. Um, yeah. I think it's, but this is, this is where I stand on that because in Sydney, what I really realized in like the difference between Lebanon and Sydney, I, like, I, you know, I grew up in Sydney, I was born here and raised here, but I never felt that there was a pressure to 
constantly do something. Do you know what I mean? Like if mm. you're not doing anything, then it's kind of like get off your butt, do something, you're lazy. Mm. But I never thought that, like I always thought that was a good thing. But now coming back to it, like I think, I'm not going to say it's a bad thing, but I, I can see that it can be for some people like um, a tendency just to become busy bodies. Like mm. I just need to be busy because I need, mm. because I need to do something. Yeah, it's not like they tie their self-worth to how busy they are and they're yeah, more yeah. of a valid individual if yeah. they're busy. Yeah. Mm. yeah, and yeah, and like I think the people in Lebanon right now, obviously because of the current state of the economic, economic crisis and things like that, people don't do anything. <laughs> mm. <laughs> they're just like, you know, they just got all the time in the world and things like that. So it's completely like, different mm. it's complete switch and i realized that that um all my friends have like i think my grade is in the final year of uni and if i were to go back i'm probably going to start again so like by the time my, f my all my friends graduate i'm just like what am i doing like with the o5s and things like that mm. um so it's like yeah i don't have i don't even have a job so it's like oh i've like you know what am i doing and things like that so i just I really felt the massive culture, cultural pressure of mm. doing something mm. in Sydney, I think. And mm. that was like, um, that's what, yeah, that's a hundred percent what I felt. And I, th I thought that was more of, but what I realized that I think it was more of like an identity thing because mm. I shared this again, I shared this with my small group that I felt like if we start to put our identity in work, because one thing I really realized the, the big difference between Lebanon and Sydney was like, um, if you ask, um, if you ask like a Christian who was like you know in e, uh, someone in E six E seven, um, are you a Christian? He'll probably say, Yeah. Why? Because you go to church. Because I go to church. Okay, awesome. Graduate. Statistically, let's say he leaves the church, and then mm. that same person asks that question again: Are you still a Christian? No. Why not? Because I don't go to church anymore. So I, when I re what I realized was, um, a lot of the times our our, our faith is like dependent upon if we go to church or not. Mm. But in Lebanon, what I realized was, um, what I saw was that was really challenging to me was there were people who were illiterate. So they cannot read their Quran, which is the Islamic religious text. And they've never stepped foot inside their mosque ever. But they would defend their faith till the death. Like mm. I have had many, many debates and arguments with these Muslims. You've, they don't know anything about the about the Islamic faith, by the way. They don't know mm. anything. Mm. But they they will just like yeah. like if you cut them open, like Muslim uh, like <laughs> doctrines would come out. You know what I mean? It's just like they just they just like that. That's them, and mm. they're just their identity is so soaked inside that yes. inside their mm. faith. They don't mm. get identity from work and careers and things like mm. that. But I think we have it a bit reversed. I think, mm. I think definitely we, we find more identity in careers and things like that, um, which which I like, which I really felt. I think, and mm. and that was some that was I think that was a time where um, I, I was a struggle for me coming back. And that I'm trying to like, I guess, like recover from that again, mm -hmm. doing the same thing while I was talking about before, mm -hmm. going back to the cross, kind of reaffirming that mm -hmm. um, my identity is with Christ and things like that. So, but that's hard, you know. It's it's it's, it's a struggle here in Sydney, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a Western tradition almost, right? Like yeah. it's a Western tradition. It's it definitely a Western tradition. I think um, the thing about careers as well is it was, it was really interesting because when I asked my Lebanese mates, Syrian mates, um, what do you want to become? All of them say, um, I want to be what my dad does. So like, if you say like, if your dad is a car mechanic, I want to become a car mechanic, you know? If you want to become, if your dad is an engineer, I want to become an engineer and things like that. 
But here in Sydney, I ask, if I ask that question, do you want to do the same occupation as your dad is currently doing? Mm. They say, no, never. Mm-hmm. I do not want to become a dentist, pastor, whatnot, blah, 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 blah. If that's, if that's what my dad's doing, never. So it's like, I want to constantly move away and, and like spread my own wings, find my own color and things like that. Mm. So I think that's why the identity, um, the, the, the search for identity is really, really big here in Sydney uh, because there is a lot yeah. of opportunities yeah, yeah. as well. Yeah, I guess yeah. it's it's a. I think it's again. It's we have more opportunities and more yeah. platforms for people to um, search out and discover their identities yeah. and things like that. Whether in Lebanon, not really. Yeah. Did you have any like questions you wanted to ask regarding like missions or? Mm. No, I feel like he answered. I have one final question. Um, yes. How has your perspective on missions changed? Um, after your time in Lebanon, um, if it has changed, yeah, I, I wouldn't say it's changed, but I definitely sense the urgency for it. Um, I've literally seen people in Lebanon who've never heard the gospel, who don't, they don't even know they've they've never even heard the name of Jesus Christ before. So um, I think in Sydney, at least culturally, we know it. Like even sec- like the, the non-believers and things like that. Um, just culturally, we know, you know who Jesus is. It's just an iconic, fig- iconic figure in history. But yeah, I've literally met people who've ne- they don't even know what the, that, the, that the symbol cross. of the cross, they yeah. don't know what that is. Yeah. You know? um, they don't know Christianity. They don't know the church. They don't know the gospel. So um, I don't, wouldn't say it's changed, but definitely I am... Like, if someone says I have a heart to go to missions, like I'm in. You know what I mean? Like I'm go, dude, go. There are people who really need to hear the gospel. I think so. I think just as a heart of urgency, mm-hmm. that's been like seeded. I think, yeah. I agree. Like, um, even like going on inland missions, like the one question that keeps coming back to my mind whenever I return from say inland missions um, is, <coughs> it's the same country. I really, I literally tell myself. James, it's the same country, just a different city. Mm. Why can't you have that same attitude and that same heart to reach out to the people in Granville or yep. in Parramatta or in like Stratford compared to the people that you reach out to inland? Mm. It's the same country, James. Yeah. Um, and I really like tell myself, yeah, like missions really is not just a one-off like moment, moment thing where you just do for like one month or one week, but it's really like, a lifestyle. Yeah. And it's, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. I agree. Like it's, it's not like the, the people of Sydney don't need the gospel. It's not like the people of Lebanon, like no one needs the gospel less than the other people yeah, yeah, or anything yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Everyone needs the gospel. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's a different, it's definitely a lifestyle that we should carry. Yeah. yeah. That was my missions. That was my missions questions. I think you know, we covered <laughs> a lot there. Yeah. It was very nice. Yeah. No, thanks for sharing. Yeah. That was a, a wealth of, of, wisdom as well coming out of that and a lot of food for thought for um i guess for us and for the listeners um thinking about mission and Mm -hmm. what that looked like and you so candidly shared um but there's another thing i feel like you're very passionate about and i felt like we even talked about in our last in our very first small group gathering we did like pastor marty shared and led something inspired from what you uh, i guess was talking about and i guess that was the topic of biblical manhood. Mm. Mm. What do you mean by that if you care to expand? Well, 
Let me first just say, this is a new topic that came to my radar like recently as well. You know mm. what I mean? Like I, I didn't, I've never even heard about the, the subject of biblical manhood. What, it, what does it mean to be a man from a biblical theological perspective? Mm. Um, I'd never even, I've never heard that in my life. I think when I did hear it, it was like during the end of my season in Lebanon and I realized it, it maybe it stemmed from like, because in Lebanon, since like, I guess they are from an Islamic faith, the boys and girls, they can never hang out together. They're always like oh, really? separate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you like, um, everywhere we go, if we hold an event, day camp, anything like that, the girls will be in one room, the guys will be in one room. So I really spent a year and a half with guys only, literally. So you can't <laughs> even be with like, the girls your age? If they're really conservative, no. If they're really conservative, no. Like, you're not supposed to really, like, sit down and eat with them. Like, some oh. of the tents that we went to, we did that. Um, they allowed that. But um, normally, no. Yeah. So, like, yeah. If, if, I were, if I were to, like, you know, host, like, a... Um, um, a gathering. Yeah, like, a gathering, for example. Mm. It, it would... Like, I, I would never call girls. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, obviously. But, like, <laughs> it would definitely be boys. It wouldn't be in question. Like, you can invite your sisters. Probably not. Best not mm. to. Yeah. So it possibly could have stemmed from that because in the West, we're always like, we're always with girls. Girls are with guys, guys are with girls all the time. So it mm. doesn't really matter and things like that. I grew up in a co-ed school and things like that. Mm. Um, but I think during the end of my season, that's, that's something that hit me. But yeah, but what, I'm, what I think means by biblical manhood is, um, as I mentioned before, what does it mean to, um, what does it mean for a man to live um, um, according to the scripture, I guess, or what does it mean to be a man from a biblical theological perspective? I think how is a man supposed to conduct himself, hold mm. his lifestyle, and things like that? I think that's what it means, and I think the Bible has a lot to say about mm. that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Actually, you said that. I, I feel like I think what will be helpful is to seek the Bible, and I, I think I just look through some verses I yeah. thought would be just some fruitful discussion, mm -hmm. just a, a light thing. The first verse, I guess, um, is a Bible verse that is more general. Now, I think some translations don't say it the way that the ESV does. Some people take the phrase up, but a specific phrase that make it clear for this topic that it's kind of relatable. But um, mm. sorry, let me just find... So the first one is one Corinthians. Oh no, yeah, one Corinthians sixteen. It's only short, two verses, but I feel like we can kind of unpack that. This is ESV. Verse one and two. Verse thirteen. Thirteen to fourteen, where it says, "Be watchful and stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love." Mm. Mm. Mm -hmm. mm. Mm, 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 mm. Ouch! It's not mm, it's ouch. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, okay. Hearing that verse in the in in the sphere of thinking about biblical manhood, what what do you feel like verse thirteen to fourteen from one Corinthians is kind of um, describing there? I remember a you know you know you know Paul Washer. Yes, I do. Uh, he's, um, I remember one of his sermons on this mm. verse. And he got, he was, he started off with act like man. I, 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 I clearly remember him saying that. And he was like, it, this means what it means. Just like men have to act like men, not like, um, 
anything else. Yeah. And I feel like, especially in this society, you you guys like see those YouTube videos of like, um, embrace, embrace like embrace masculinity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do, do you guys know? Like, have you seen those videos? Yeah. Like it starts off with like, um, these. How can I explain? I don't want to like. I don't want to describe them as like in an offensive way, but men who don't act like men. That's how I can describe them. And they, like, it shows like a clip of them, and then suddenly like, the music drops, and like it turns onto like hard style, hard style music, and it shows like all these soldiers, all mm-hmm. these people like fixing like yeah, yeah, yeah. mechanics and stuff. Um, I think yeah, like just that first part, act like men. It really means what it means. Mm. nothing else um that's what that's what i think Mm. i think it means a lot i mean we can really like this topic there's i feel like there's so much to uncover and by the way i'm still learning about this as well but Mm. it's something that i guess is i am passionate about because i feel like it's not talked enough Mm. um it's being a like like what like what is a man for example and um how Mm. I think that that it's like the question that needs to be like unfolded first. I think like what what is a man first, and then I feel like there is um, a biblical mandate that God has given man to mm-hmm. do. I think specifically, mm. and obviously like the verse you said, it's like you know um, make sure they stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, and things like that. Um, but we probably wouldn't interpret the um, the word be strong as in everyone needs to be built like a brick wall or anything like that right right? i mean so like yeah yeah we 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 wouldn't say like you said like act like men what does that mean like Mm -hmm. masculine like you need a deep voice like a husky voice (laughs) do you need like you need dress appropriate like a man or like a pretty boy or anything like that what is that what is you know what do you you really what is what is the correct perception of like masculinity because it's changed it's changed today as well and i think basically press 14 points it out and, and really highlights what a man, and it says, act like a man, be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Mm. You know, um, I think in the sexual secular sense, and also the way we understand ourselves as men and the way we understand women is that in terms of how, um, uh, generally speaking, men love respect and love to be respected. Yep. And women... Um, love to feel nurtured and cared for and you know that's the way in which they would like to receive i guess love Mm. in in a in a relationship unit but um i guess yeah this is in the in this passage it says let all that you do be done in love Mm. you know it it speaks counterculture and almost opposite to our nature is Mm. to be like you know like you know us men we're logical we just do things get Mm. things done this and that but like we don't, um, but the Bible is clear in that we're supposed to love. So our motivation in what we do when we are being strong and act like men yeah. is to love. Yeah. Which is something that you don't th- associate necessarily with strength mm-hmm. and with the image of acting like men. Like mm-hmm. that's it. Like we don't love, we, we get respect and we should be respected. But then it's just like as men, no, like we should be, we should love. Mm. Because why? Because that's, that's the character of our, our savior, Jesus Christ. That's the character of our loving God. And, you know, I think to understand who we are as biblical men, it's good to think of 
who we are at the core of our create like and and you know in the doctrine of creation we were created by god for god we were created to be in relationship yeah. with god and and to understand that relationship mm. the picture of us being his children and being adopted is our image first and foremost we were created in god's image we were mm. also redeemed and adopted um so to have those understandings first of the core identity of the christian man uh, i guess we we should embrace and let that those biblical truths also wash over our hearts yeah and i guess but you know as we go on we see here that god still makes distinctions between men and women and um i think if we keep looking uh, i think um, yeah in also like in ephesians chapter five <laughs> i was already hit i was already yes, yes, there, that's the where one. it says instructions for a christian household mm. now i find in, it's helpful to know that this passage makes distinctions so men and women aren't necessarily you know play the same role and they can they can be like somewhat equal no like th there is specific roles and specific things that they're supposed to um, adhere to and abide by to one another before god mm -hmm. i agree with that mm -hmm. um one thing about me a fun fact about me is i before going to lebanon i say i would um i would really look at um the roles between man and woman as equal and I would consider myself uh, an egalitarian, like a really egalitarian. Like, I think our Koreans know um, in the Korean culture, maybe in, I don't know about you guys, but in the Korean culture, it's kind of like, you know, when you have a family gathering, the men always just like sit down on the couch and they just, you know, drink a couple of beers and things like that. But they it's always the yeah, women very, who are cleaning, yeah. cooking, things mm -hmm. like that, which mm -hmm. I grew up and I looked at that. I didn't understand that. Mm. Why are they like subservient and the, them just like sitting down? I mm. see them as completely equal. Right, right. You know, right. you guys take a break and the guys do and the bubble blah and things like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I really considered myself an egalitarian in that sense. Like mm. I even, I even, I even said that, um, <laughs> some people might get, get at me for this, but um, I, I could not understand why in Korea, since conscription is there, like why they wouldn't conscript like women to the army as well. <laughs> mm. I, why is it only for males if we are living in an egalitarian society and mm. everyone wants to embrace yeah. that why aren't you sending women to the army and things like that it's just something that like i i kind of held the belief to but mm. i feel like um it this is not about changing like the your ideology about the difference difference of roles between men and women i think it's a gospel issue mm. i think when you understand the gospel you mm. understand the there was meaning behind God's creation when he was creating men and women. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, um, a verse that I really like to, um, I found really interesting was going back all the way to the beginning, Genesis, mm. Genesis chapter one. Mm -hmm. Oh, sorry, I think it was um, chapter two. I'll just quickly read it out for us. Um, when he creates um, man and woman, so obviously he created man out of the ground, right? Mm. Out of the ground and since he comes from the ground, the cultural mandate that God gave man was to work and to keep it, to work the ground and mm. to keep it, right? But um, he says that um, in verses 18, chapter 2, then the Lord said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. And then what he does is he makes the woman out of his rib, 
Yeah. Mm. Right? So out of his rib. So she did, there's, no, there's a reason why I feel like God didn't make her out of the ground, but out of the rib. Mm. She said, there's a reason why women have a different role because I feel like their, their origin story is different to men. You know what I mean? Mm. Men come from the ground. So mm. that is why we work. That is why there's, there's a concept of, uh, there's a biblical um, ideology of men working and being committed to a um, godly um, you know, a, a perspective of work and things like that. Mm. Whereas women, we see it's more being submissive. It's being more following. It's being more being led by the guy and mm. being a helper in that sense because mm. she, her origin story is from the man, not from mm. the ground. Mm. So her role isn't necessarily to work in, in these things, mm. but it's for, that's for the guy to do and the girl is to, I guess the woman is to like, uh, and be submissive to the guy mm-hmm. and things like that. So I feel like everything has a meaning behind it, even mm. from Genesis. Like, you know, he doesn't just create them out of nowhere and then place his role, but like mm. even the, from where they were created from, I think there's a yeah. reason why they created like that, yeah. I think. Yeah, there's a specific purpose and, and there's a specific role that they play. Um, in, in, in regards to that unit, but it's not just like, I feel like sometimes secular society will take that, take issue at the phrase, women are to submit yep. to men, but then, you know, they don't read the part where, yeah, here in Ephesians, where it says in the same way, um, you know, men are supposed to like die for their their yep. their wives. Like, yep. you know, there's this like, it's, it's a two-way thing. It's not just yeah. like women submit and that's it. You listen to me and yeah. it's an overbearing thing. It's just like, no, like it's a loving relationship where one is willing to die for the other and the other one lovingly submits mm. to the other. And so, yeah, um, I, yeah. so I don't think, it's, it's a complementary yeah. kind of relationship and, yeah. and a loving um, structure that fits the nature of how God created both. A unit in in said relationship. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's why I guess like if you take it only that way and um and abuse that, men can become dangerously dominant, I guess, and yeah. like just like really be domineering over the woman. But Christ did not love the church that way. I mean, it says mm. Ephesians five verses twenty five: mm. Husbands love your wives mm. as Christ loved the church and gave mm. himself for us. Like you just sit there for like a good solid five minutes and think about how Christ loved us. Mm. And I think you just like end up in a place where it's like, Oh wow, that is a huge mandate that God has given me and placed upon me. And that's Bro. something that's a huge responsibility. I love this episode. It's so, it's so Bible saturated. <laughs> um, yeah. Or is it? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, um, what, what was I going to ask? Oh, why did I say that? I should have just let you kept going. <laughs> but, um, I feel like right now, especially for Korean Australians, we kind of have both sides. We kind of understand both sides. So you know how we kind of grew up in an egalitarian society, so Australia, yep. versus Korea, which is more patriarchal, yeah. where the man is more dominant and the, exactly. the wife is always doing the one doing the work. Yeah. How do you feel like as Korean Australians or even like, um, like, Filip- like Filipino Australians, because I feel like, is it the same way in like the Philippines, like where the, it's more patriarchal? Or is it like... Yeah, yeah. The family unit is is seen as more important than just the individual wants and needs. Like, you know, like we work together as a family. We stay together. And also, yeah, yeah. There is definitely that idea where the women are... The serving, one being more submissive. Submissive and okay. the men lead. Yep. How do you feel like as like Filipino Australians or like as um, Korean Australians, how do you think we've 
like, how, how do you think we've made, um, what do you think our perception is regarding, like, uh, how can I explain? What do you think our perception of, like, masculinity is? Because we kind of seen the both, both oh, both right, right, right. Since we've seen and experienced like both sides, like yeah, both yeah. patriarchal system and like an egalitarian what, yeah. society. What have we made made of it? Like, kind of, that's that's kind of the question I want to ask. I've seen this a lot in the, especially in, during my time in Lebanon, where I guess um, a lot of the men there have um, more than one wife, and so um, I, I've seen how men, I've seen men comparing their wives to a phone when your phone is broken mm. you need another one wow. so like i've literally heard that and so if you like i said this is why christianity the, the great appeal to christianity in like a biblical marriage i think is that because it really humbles the husband down to um to a level of you need to love and I guess love is kind of like um, selfless and sacrificial and things like that whether in the west we've got more of an egalitarian concept where um, it's just you, you you try and view like the opposite sex the opposite gender as your equal yeah, yeah, nothing yeah. higher nothing yeah, lower yeah. right um, so it's it's this mix in the east we've got men who are really patriarchal really uh, dominant uh, uh, uh. and they and they would um, really like forcefully make their wives like subservient and things like that. Yeah. And in the in the West, we um, you don't need to learn anything because they are your equal in a sense. Yeah. You don't need to know. You don't. There is no role difference. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, like, I don't know. Like, uh, that, I think that's where we are right now. <laughs> um, but the, yeah. but I think um, like um, Do you feel like. Um, so specifically with our church, do you feel like the men are more leaning towards more leaning towards like that egalitarian perspective, or like we still hold on to that like patriarchal system? Mm. I think uh, since we are Australians, I feel like we do have more of a con like an egalitarian concept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I did, yeah, yeah. you know, I did not see women like, and I don't think like um, the Bible is saying that the woman is lower than the man. But it is saying you're equal, but the the fact of the matter is it says blatantly that the man is the head, mm -hmm. the woman is the body. That's mm -hmm. just given. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that she's lower or higher. It's just that's what that's how, how it is. That's what the Bible says, not me. Mm -hmm. um, I think I think church is a place where um, if it isn't, it should be preaching about like this. Because I think um, we spend, I guess, six days a week outside of the church where we are being com like com like constantly consumed with the idea that um, women are our equal when they are not. Mm -hmm. They're not lesser, they're not higher. It's just they're different. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's not an egalitarian. I think the Bible is is promoting a complementarian view of like yeah. marriage and things yeah. like that. And I think that view of egalitarian where they're saying it's equal, I think it's, it's a bit dangerous because in reality, you know, physically, men and women are different. Mm -hmm. And the things that we face, like, you know, both of like men and women have different capacities yeah. to deal with mm -hmm. and to to say that no no there's no such thing like you know but like men and women can handle the same thing i just feel like no i feel like no there's there's definitely in which an order that we should do but then at the same time on the other extreme where you know the asian man domineering yeah. over 
um, their wife minus the tenderness that the Bible speaks of, of how a man should not be harsh to his wife, yeah. but rather loving and self-sacrificial yeah. is, is taken away sometimes mm. and not highlighted. Mm. And that's why I feel like, you know, you mentioned, you know, e even you felt the discomfort of seeing how the men did nothing in terms of just helping the wife out and the wife does everything and you're like yep. hey how's that fair like i think no like no there should be a unit of community like in the unit there should be communication sure. where there, where there sure. is that camaraderie yeah. or at least that explanation of yeah. being like the wife being like no i want to serve you in yeah. this way mm -hmm. rest i will take care of the rest i know you've had a big day this and that like you know i've even hear in stories where um you know some of the men at our church who have kind of like high paying jobs like they have to perform surgery or some sort of dental thing and it requires them to sleep well so the wife will say you go sleep like on the other side of the house i will keep the children here because they will keep you up and i will serve you in this way wow. so it's just like you know there's a willingness to yeah. serve and it's and i think you know that's a great example yeah of you know the wife submitting and yeah. trusting the husband and the husband providing yeah. and loving but yeah. at the same time you know, I, I do hear stories where the fathers are just so not involved in the kids' lives and just mm. let the women do it. And I feel like, no, like, you still have a responsibility to father your children. Yeah. Um, and you can't use work and tiredness as an excuse to, to kind of, like, exempt yourself from that because, you yeah. know, like, children need their parents, both their parents, emotionally. Yeah. And, and physically in that they're there, mm. but also emotionally that they spend time yeah. and invest time. Yeah, so sure. I feel like, yeah, I think that's the tension that we live in. Yeah. Is that like, we know that there is complementary, like there's a role, but at the same time, because men are sinful, we, they, they think that they're entitled to certain things mm. and they take away the tenderness of mm. what the Bible says. Mm. Of it. Yeah, mm. I agree. Like, um, the, I think the, the real danger of our culture in our day and age is that, um, women kind of like put a standard on men and men is kind of known by like three main sources of strength that they love to be admired by like money, power and sex. I think those mm. are the three main things I think um, they judge us by, I feel like. Um, and I think that that is why we live in a, such a dangerous culture when our sisters in Christ really should be, I don't think they should lower the standards though, mm. because I believe that, um, in a marriage, like when you're looking for a guy, it's okay to say that the, the guy should have a bit of a higher standard in terms of his maturity in Christ and his godly character because he's the one ultimately that's going to lead her mm. and be more godly. Mm. So I feel like it doesn't... Um, now, obviously, the you have to tick the obvious boxes. Like he needs to be the 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 man and the woman both need to love Christ. They need to know the gospel. They need to be a Christian. Blah blah blah. All these things. But it's, for example, if the woman is a little bit immature, but the guy is ready, like, I think that's okay. Because my point in saying that is um, the guy should have a higher standard because he is the head of the body. I think like, should when you say high standard, like high standard of... God, like, godliness, for godliness example. Yeah, so that, that should be the driving factor of, um, I, I feel like that um, a sister should be attracted to a guy because of his godliness mm -hmm. and a go and a guy vice versa and a guy should be attracted to a sister because of her godliness mm -hmm. and things like that yeah. um it doesn't always have to be she's less mature or anything like that but i do think godliness should be like the standard that we look for mm -hmm. in the opposite gender and things like that yeah i feel like 
that's a true thing because um, when I talk to my cousin, she's female, single, and she talk, shares about her struggles of a single woman. And sometimes she'll say, yeah, sometimes there's men there, but they're just not spiritually there. I want to be led and I don't feel like some of these men can mm. lead me. That, so, that's totally fine. I mean, I, yeah, I, yeah. I applaud her for not being like, you know, I need a guy and then, you know, just, just going for yeah, any other no, guy. No, yeah. She's waiting and she wants a yeah. godly man. She should do that. That's mm. what women should do, I feel like. You yeah. know what I mean? So she's like yeah. holding out for, for yeah. that standard yeah. and also humble enough to say, I want to be led. Mm. Like, exactly. Yeah. I want to be in the position yeah. where I trust mm my husband to yeah. make the decisions yeah. even in the moments that maybe i don't understand or i don't get but i still trust that he has the heart of god yeah. at the forefront of his mind when making yeah. our family decisions and yeah. that's what the unit looks like yeah, yeah but then he's willing to lead and do whatever it takes to mm. protect and 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 to love yeah his family yeah i full-heartedly agree with that mm -hmm. yeah. it's going back to that verse and like that uh, first corinthians First, like, I remember Paul Washer finishing that sermon off with, um, he was explaining a story of how, hey, look, there's a lot of good, like, there's, there's a lot of guys in our church and there's a lot of girls in our church and they're all single. And, like, he would go and ask, like, the single girls, like, how come you guys aren't, how come you guys aren't dating, like, these guys? And then the girls, they all gave the response of, there aren't any good guys here. <laughs> so it's, I think it's almost... Good that the girls have a high expectation of exactly. men. They should, I think. I think it's necessary yep. because otherwise, like, men's, like, standard of who we can, mm. like, who to be just, it completely goes mm. down. Yeah. So, like, um, you know the psychologist Jordan Peterson, and he would explain how women are like nature. They are the deciding factor in, like, they, they're the ones who say yes or no. Right. Um, when a man asks them out. So, in saying that, like when women do have higher standards and the men know that, mm. then the men would push themselves to become almost better men. Sure. Um, which is, I think is a good thing as well. Yeah. Mm. Just translating that into like the Christian perspective, I think it's like, um, I don't think as well when, oh, sorry, I, I don't think like guys should, um, especially guys, I, I feel like, um, is necessary to continually be led by the woman's desires though because he should be the one leading mm. and as a man if you are independent i feel like a biblical like under definition of independence uh, if you're independent as a christian i think it means utter dependence on god i feel like it's actually mm. quite the opposite thing you know how to be dependent upon god mm. so i think in in weddings they always say you would love your wife the best when you love Christ the most, I think. Mm. You know what I mean? So your mm. loving and motivating factor is Christ. You put him in the center. You love him more than your wife so that you can actually love her mm. like how you're supposed to love her and things like that. Mm. But I feel like it's a little bit dangerous when a guy makes her the driving factor of everything. Exactly. Mm -hmm. like, yeah. like, like a wife pleaser. Mm. You know what I mean? I just it, my I need to make my mm. wife happy. You know what right, I mean? Right. I think that's yeah, yeah. not a leader. Yeah, yeah. A you Christian have to, leader. You have sense. to learn to say no. You have to learn and, to say and no. to grow a backbone exactly. and just not bend over yeah, backwards. Yeah, yeah. I exactly. think that's when like um, the intentions. Oh, sorry, were you gonna say something? No, no, no. You can do. I think like that's when like the wrong intentions, wrong intentions of being like an alpha male comes into play as well. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, it's true. And I don't know if this is like a thing. I don't know, but I always ask like. Um, Females, uh, this as well, like, um, <laughs> like some of them, maybe not all of them, but the females that I've asked, they definitely said that, like I said, who would you find more attractive, a guy that's um, committed to his work or who's committed to like pleasing you? And I think m most of the girls said committed to his work. 
mm. I think. Yeah. Mm. They said they want a guy that would um, work. Um, and I think that's true in the Christian context as well. They want a guy, I feel, they should want a guy who desires to love God and to follow God with all of his heart mm. so that he can... Mm lead her i don't mm. think he should like continue to provide and everything's catered around her rather it's more like i'm focusing and led, being led by god mm. bringing her with me along the journey yeah and you it's know? also like yeah. i think there is still like in terms of the relationships that you have in uh, i guess if you do get married the bible does put a distinction of marriage is the most important at, at that yeah. you know above any other relationship on earth, mm. excluding God, mm. obviously. But yeah, there is definitely an importance of focus on there. Mm. But I think, yeah, like you said, you have to love God, but also because you love God and you feel the love from God, that gives you the capacity then to love mm. exactly. your wife. Because, because God is love. In yes, sense, yeah. and God, and when you have a relationship with God, mm. you know, he's not just some foreign distant thing he's an actual being mm. that you interact with and talk to that is real yeah so you know the way we talk to ourselves is the same way in which we talk to to yeah. god mm. like as if we're talking to ourselves going, Let's, it's like oh god what do you think about this or, yeah. god I'm, i really should do this or like you know it's it's in that yeah. everyday kind of um vernacular that yeah. you put god into that but i guess yeah my point being is just like yeah there is um a high importance when you are in a committed marriage, but at the same time, um, God is at the forefront and you love because you are loved by God. Mm -hmm. Therefore, it's easier for you to love other people because mm -hmm. you're not seeking their love yeah. as your fuel because yeah. you already are fuel. Mm. So exactly. Yeah. If you have no fuel, how can you like, you know, exactly things like that? Exactly. So. Like, yeah, it even says here in the same way, husbands ought to love the wives as their own body. Yeah. He who loves his wife loves himself. Yeah. After all, no one ever hate their own body yeah. but they feed and care for their body just as christ does the church yeah exactly and that's why i think marriage even like okay i've never i've never i'm not married so i don't <laughs> i'm not an expert or anything like yeah. this but i do think the bible takes marriage really seriously and i mm. feel like almost there's like this idea where um I can't do church and I can't do ministry because I'm married and I do, I, you know, I need to do the family stuff and things like that, but it's mm. not, they don't really consider that as like a, um, a, a, a high priority or things like that. Mm. Um, is mm. that okay? That's right. It okay, just means fine. the camera's oh, okay, out. Okay, okay, fine. Um, yeah, just go just, black on the screen. Sorry, YouTubers. Yeah. But you, ha you have the audio still. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And I think um, that's why I think it's really important that we take marriage seriously because even in like 1 Timothy 5, 8, it says, but if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for his members of his household, he's denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So mm -hmm. a believer who does not provide for his family is worse than an unbeliever. That's yeah. how seriously you have yeah. to take the role of a father. Mm, it's, exactly. it's very biblically backed up that mm. the marriage is a biblical thing and we should take it as a biblical thing, not exactly. as something like, a side job or that we have mm. to, you know, burdensomely carry or something like that. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, thanks for sharing. I think that was a good conversation. And I think we're, we'll cover a bit more of that in, in the King's Army event on the 11th of March. Guys, whoever's the chair, please come to it. The young men. See you guys there. Hopefully see you there. But no, thanks for, for sharing mm. those things. Thanks yeah. for inviting me, guys. No, no problem. Again. I think, yeah. The final question that um, we want to finish off with is, what does the future look like for Alex Lee? 
Uh, what does the next couple of years look like or what's in mi- what do you have in mind? Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think um, right now I'm just um, thinking of doing work and just um, working and things like that. And on top of that, um, yeah, I just continuing to pray through the season of what God has, God, God is, what he is doing mm. and how he wants me to partake in that action and that mm. doing as Amen. well. Um, and so, and so I believe, um, yeah, like, like we talked about before, like it's the lifestyle of like, um, missions and things like that, preaching the gospel. I think that's for all Christians and, um, that should continue. So I plan to continue to do that, I think. Um, and just, continue to help our church body grow as well um i want to get closer to the church and you know to a lot of the people that i've never met before like my leader (laughs) and so excited to meet new um excited to make new relationships new um friends and things like that and yeah i'm just um kind of praying through i guess um that so i think that's what my current next season would look like i think yeah Mm, nice it's always encouraging seeing characters like alex um, come along and really kind of switch up, kind of give us a wake up call almost. Mm. Um, even with like sharing his testimony um, on his in his time in Lebanon in front of the church, giving a lot, a lot of a a lot of us younger guys like a wake up call. Um, yeah, it's you're an encouraging character to be around, brother Alex. Mm. Thank C- you. Couldn't agree more. All glory to God. All glory be to God. Glory Amen. But on that note, what a great uh, episode that we had talking about biblical manhood, learning more about our uh, brother Alex, Mm -hmm. and praise be to God. You've been listening to the King's Army Podcast with your hosts, IJ, James, and our guest, Alex. Till next time, God bless, guys. (laughs) 